How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Afternoons with Staffy podcast today was cram-packed full of good stuff. I really, really enjoyed it. We asked for your formula that needs to work for the Black Caps to win the T20 World Cup semi-final this evening against Pakistan. That was the that was the first hour, and uh, geez, we've got some good cricket aficionados out there. That was the the midday man. I heard a bit from Lockie Ferguson as well about his role in the Black Caps. Uh, we took some racing through the day actually, and got some great interviews with uh, Lisa Allpress, Mark Walker. Played you a couple of races out as well, which is always fun. Caught up with Mark Ramby, former All Black and Waikato Second Five, talking about his role with the Rugby Network, helping rugby players with post-playing careers. Interesting stuff. And we're going to catch up with some of those players in the coming weeks. And then a chat with Becky Gray, a BBC rugby journalist. She's in New Zealand for the Women's Rugby World Cup, previewing the final between England and the Black Ferns this weekend. And also just a bit more of a deep dive into what's happening with the women's game over there in the UK. Uh, gosh, what else? So much else. I guess the big thing for me, finally it's happened, but I'm not going to tell you what happened, but listen to the chase. I'll tell you what happened. I got beat. I got beat. The pressure's gone. <sighs> I can relax my shoulders, but a big win in the chase. I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I was fatigued. <laughs> this is the Afternoon with Staffy podcast. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Kia ora, good afternoon. Welcome into the afternoons. Uh, what an afternoon we had yesterday, a special uh, edition of the Good Oil, a six-hour racing sojourn for Cup Day. If you were there, I hope you had an absolute ball. Uh, saw a few pictures coming out of it, and it looked fantastic. Took me back to the couple of days I was down there. I think I've been to three Cup Days at Addington. I've been to one at Rickerton, and, of course, Rickerton is... Uh, Underway today, and our man Louis Herman, what is trackside, beside the track, not on the track, he's beside the track, and uh, he'll be filing some uh, interviews with us through the day with um, uh, trainers and jockeys of influence uh, ahead of the races, and we'll be bringing you some of the races as well. The first time we'll hear from Louis, about five to one, um, he'll set the scene, uh, we would have been one race deep at that stage, we're going to bring you race two as well, just after one o'clock, just to uh, get your appetite for what will be a great day at Rickerton, but weather, track conditions, early thoughts from Louis, uh, about five to one. And then straight after the one o'clock news, we'll bring you 
race two. We've also got some uh, clips of uh, Lockie Ferguson at the latest press conference that the Black Caps held ahead of their semi-final, which of course is tonight. Our preview here on SNZ starts at 8.30 tonight, first ball at nine, and of course Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott will be bringing you ball by ball for that. So tune in from 8.30 though, that's when you get the toss, the team lineups, the predictions, and um, you can just hear the competitive juices coming out of Grant Elliott as we build and continue to succeed at this World Cup. He's putting himself in there, and it's great to have him alongside uh, one of the great cricket callers now, Daniel McCarty. So that's from 8.30 tonight, first ball at 9. We'll also have tomorrow night semi-final for you as well. I was just perusing and listening in a bit this morning on, to, on the station. Brecky had a really interesting chat with a Liverpool Echo writer about the potential sale of Liverpool and uh, the Americanisation model I think there's some Americans have said that they're about two decades behind in the Premier League and they think they could monetise the Premier League a lot better. It was a really interesting chat. So go on to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast podcast uh, tab there on the SENZ podcast and look up that chat and have a listen to the Liverpool Echo writer. And then on mornings, uh, really, really cool chat with Shane Jurgensen. He's the New Zealand bowling coach. Um, ahead of their big match tonight. Always get to great to get Shane on. He's so accessible and uh, great... Great mind, and of course he's deep in the Black Caps camp. Um, so go back and have a listen to that one on uh, mornings as well. Coming up for us today, uh, we're going to have a chat with Mark Ranby. You will remember him. He's um, started a Manawatu, of course, of course, um, but he played for Manawatu. He played for the Vikings. One of the one of the few people that can say they played for the Central Vikings with that. People say a, a, a tragic merger of Manawatu and Hawke's Bay. It was an experiment, didn't work, it was a fast fail, I was okay, and uh, I was a big supporter of them, but I, I think they lasted two seasons, only a couple of seasons, but he was part of that, but also had a game for the All Blacks as well, and ever since then he's been doing a lot of work with professional development of rugby players, he's been attached to the Crusaders for quite a while, we went and studied over in Oxford, and he's back now working for an outfit uh, that are attached to the Players Association, but it's called the Rugby Network, and they deal with rugby players post their playing careers. So we'll just talk to them about what the challenges are for some of these guys after they finish their careers. Because I remember a stat, oh, it was quite a while ago, and I was talking to a professional development manager, and he said, with the benefit of hindsight, a lot of these rugby players will earn half of their adult income in 20% of their working life. So by the time they're 31, 32... They've earned half of everything they'll ever earn and the pressure that that puts them on. Because a lot of them are on quite good money and then they have to start again and then they'll be competing for jobs with 20-year-olds and salary expectations. It's a real challenge for them. It it is a real challenge for them. So he's working in that area, Mark Ramby, so we'll catch up with him. And delighted to be bringing in a BBC rugby journalist. Her name's Becky Gray. She's in New Zealand for the Rugby World Cup. Uh, We will preview the England Black Ferns this weekend, but she's got an intimate knowledge of the English rugby, women's rugby setup, and I really want to quiz her about what brought about the change. They're on a 20-game win streak. It's phenomenal, and they've taken it by the scruff of the neck. I want to talk about their coaching setup, their philosophies and play, and and what what women's rugby's like over in the UK? Because all I hear is like four or five years ago they turned professional and now we see the result. But what were the actual steps they took? And is that 
the results we're seeing now is that purely because of that. So Becky, she'll be between two and three o'clock. Remember at three we have running it straight with uh, Sammy Hewitt and Kempe, our rugby league show, three to four. And uh, we've got lots of other things we can talk about. As I mentioned, we'll be ducking off to and from Rickerton a few times today. If we've got time, we'll find out what's making news. Of course, we'll go and have a chat to Paul Mawadi. Um, the chase is on later on today at about 2.40, 2.45. So have a listen out for that. Uh, but Midday Madness, I wanted to get your thoughts. A really big game of T20 cricket tonight. I, I've pretty, I've loved the tournament. And the thing I like about this tournament is you're never long without a game of cricket. Um, because the pool play, it was, it felt like every night. I, th- I know there were a few nights there was no cricket on, but it's just like your old friend in the lounge. If nothing much is on, you can just flick on and watch the cricket. Um, it's been great, and um, we've got to know all the players from the other teams as well. But they have, they have, the semi-finals tonight against Pakistan. Um, who are going to be the key players for us? That's that's the big thing I want to know from you. What are the what are the keys for us to beat Pakistan? And I've been a little bit guilty of this myself, saying who would we rather play in the final, England or India? And I've talked about it quite a bit this week. And I've just, I've reined myself in today and said, hang on, we've got to beat Pakistan first. So let's just focus on tonight. Who stands up? What's, what's the most important thing for you? Is it a fast start? Is it a solid uh, middle batting order? Is it early wickets? What is our key? You can pick a couple if you like. What is it? Is it having big one for me? We need to have a floating batting order. I just don't think we. You're allowed to, you know. It's not like other sports where you name your batting eleven. You have to stick to it. They can float it, and I don't think we've utilised that enough. But expand on that for me, if you will. What are the keys for us to win tonight? When you're listening in on SCNZ, what are you listening for? The key components for us to win. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It's midday madness. Let's go. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. To the phones we go. G'day, John. Yeah, g'day, Steph. I think one thing we might lose is the toss. (laughs) Man, I I, I can't remember the last time New Zealand actually won a toss. Um, Not that it's been, um, you know, that effective in this tournament. It was in the last. But uh, say we lose the toss, they'll probably send us into bat. Um, mm. For me, I think our betting lineup is quite steady. Um, like you said, there's floaters. I think Nisham sometimes comes up or goes down, depending on where we are uh, when he comes into bat. Um, but for me, it's our two spinners. Um, we all know that Sydney's it turns quite a bit later on. And um, I think Sodi and Satna are going to have a massive game. Um, but in saying that, our pace bowling attack is quite good too. I think um, the last time we did play Pakistan, we lost to them at home. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was our spinners that, that did have a quite, quite a good game against them. But um, yeah, in saying that, it, it can go either way. You know, the Pakistani cricket team remind me of the old French rugby team. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> the, depends who turns up. The box of chocolates, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a tough, and it's interesting, like, I've always thought um, day-night matches, and this is sort of day-night, even though it's quite a short innings, you'd almost want to know whether you're batting or bowling before you named your 11, because you've got to cover a few mm. bases, don't you? When you go out in the middle, you have to take your starting 11, and then you do the toss. 
I think tonight might be one of those when they do the toss and if they lose, they go, damn it, I would have had different 11. <laughs> exactly, mate. Well, a lot of people have been saying, you know, bring Bracewell in um, just to shoe up that middle order and plus, you know, the spin factor for Sydney. But I, I, I don't think they'll change um, too much. Mm. Williamson doesn't really change up too much either. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to lose the toss, mate. And we'll probably bet first. That's, that's what I'm thinking. OK, we'll, we'll keep a watching brief or on the coin toss. Thanks, John. Cheers, buddy. Uh, I, do, I do take note he said, um, I have seen Jimmy Nesham come in um, not in his predicted batting order. We float the batting order when we're in the last four or five overs. I'd like us to float the batting order in the first four or five overs, if needed. If needed. I'm a huge uh, like supporter of if Finn Allen goes out and Devin Conway's at the other end, bring in another blaster and move Kane to four. And if the blaster goes out, move Kane to five and bring in Ginny Nishan then. Uh, or Glenn Phillips, you know, someone like that. It, it's cool to have two blasters if they're both going, but what Kane's so good at is noodling the strike to the banger. And then he can go when he needs to as well. Um, I'm no cricket expert, but that's that's sort of my observation. Interested in yours, 0800 150 We go to Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Good afternoon, Staffy. Good day, buddy. Um, tonight we just need to uh, get it right, both the batting and the bowling. Um, the way Kane Williamson played against Ireland the other night was brilliant. I know it was Ireland, so it's a bit of an easy opponent, but we're still good at um, bad innings. But, yeah, they're going to have to play real good. That's why it's gutting that they don't have Guptor and Allen batting together. Like, you're saying the two strike players um, opening together, you know, that two guys that can hammer the ball, because mm. that'd be so good opening together. Um and I just feel that Jimmy Neesham, like the whole tournament hasn't came off yet, so I really think he needs to stand up tonight as well, you know? He's the sort of guy that does stand up in semis and final. He's the big match guy, isn't he? I wouldn't be surprised to see him go bang tonight. Yeah, and Glenn Phillips, if it, it'd be good if he could fight if he could fire again tonight. Um and yeah, and if we do bowl first then Bolt and Salvi need to get early wickets and put Pakistan under um early pressure because you saw what they did to um South Africa um, the other day when their um, <clears throat> their batters got going um, and they got what was about 180 on the board and then it started raining and South Africa were gone and then they choked it against Netherlands and they were really kicked out. So I bet um, Gary Stead would have had to change his plans because um, he thought they would have been playing this South Africa, but um, they're just cricket chokers, it seems. They can never win anything in cricket, the mm. um, South Africans, it seems. But losing to Netherlands is pretty bad. I don't think they'll be too fraught about that on their plane back to um, South Africa. And I've heard something about the um, Rugby League World Cup. Or was it Samoa? They booked their flights or something early, and now Samoa oh. went through to the semi-final, so it's cost them 10 grand. 10 grand, that sounds like a bit of a mess. Yeah, and I've heard they've booked the Kiwis a flight after the semi-final, the day after the semi-final, so more what, more what, interest what for about us. If they what about if they eat the kangaroos? Then what happens there? They have to change their tickets, and it's going to cost them three hundred fifty bucks a ticket to change it. It's not that it's not New Zealand Rugby League that did that. It's World Rugby League that did that. Yeah, so it's a bit dumb, isn't it? Really, it is a bit we're dumb. We're so you wouldn't do something dumb like that. You're a very sensible young man. <laughs> a world of world event, but yeah. anyway, all good. Thank you. Hey, stay Go on the lines. Out. Stay on the lines, Aid. Um, Kiers or Sam's going to have a chat to you, so you just stay on okay. the line, and we'll go to Michael Tutakaka. Kia ora, Michael. <laughs> How are you, Steph? Good, thanks, Michael. So I I think um, we need to, whatever happens, we need to bat first and, and put a big score on the board like we did against the Aussies, right? Because there's nothing like scoreboard pressure. Because if, if we are chasing 
um, Pakistan's got the ability to just slow the game right down and, and like put our boys under pressure. Mm. So I think, yeah, like we need to go out and like Finn Allen, all those top order boys uh, need to fire. And yeah, you know, if we can if we can get 185 plus, um, I think we'll be pretty hard to beat. Um, bowling seconds probably get a bit of swing in the in the nice and the Joe and all of that over in Sydney, you know. Mm. And Bolton Saudi and and you know the spin boys they'll come into it, but yeah. And I don't think they'll change the team round too much. They're not going to bring they're not going to bring anyone in that's you know not tried and true in this at this at this point in it now. I mean, hey, it's I heard Bolt. Um, talking this morning to to Ricardo, and basically he said, you know, like this T20 stuff, it's like that's you know the Dutch beat the um, the Yuppies. It's mm. like you know you only need one guy to have ten good balls or ten good minutes or you know ten minutes with a ball, and and one person can change the T28. They can absolutely, they can. Not one person can win a Test match, but boy, can one person win a T20? Oh yeah. Like if Finn Allen comes out and has a strike rate of 185 or something like that and puts 70 on the border, you know, in the time it takes to do that, mate, he's just spun this thing on its head, you know. Mm. And I think he will get the nod, you know. I think he's he's playing the full life. But what's been good about this tournament, Steffi, it's good to see some of the um, the, the newer nations, and let's give them some credit, some of the, you know, the, the Dutch and these guys, the Afghanistan team. Well, those guys have played really good cricket, eh, you know, and, and it's good to see them... It's you know it's good. It's like Japan beating South Africa at rugby when yes. the Dutch beat um, yes. when the Dutch beat um, South Africa. And you know we played the Dutch a while ago and, and we played Ireland and we didn't win those games convincingly. Do you know what I mean? It was. Um, it's yeah. good to see those nations coming through because it builds a good like you were saying. It, it builds a good tournament because you've got a game sort of every second day if you can if you want to watch it. You mm. know. Mm. You bang on, you bang on, Michael. And you know, I, I'm old enough to remember when Sri Lanka just sort of came on the scene, and they've gone on and won yep. World Cups and won big matches. And Zimbabwe used to be good back in the Heath Street days. Then they dipped away. Yep. They look like they're coming back. Ireland, Scotland, as you say, Afghanistan were a backwater for a while. Oh, now. Mate, I was really impressed with um, the way Afghanistan. I just forget off the top of my head who they played their last game against. It was the Aussies, I think. Mate, they were within four runs of Australia, right? Mm. Yeah. You know, like, um, but hey, the best thing is the Aussies aren't in it in their home tournament, mate. Isn't that a bit of fun, hey? It's massive. It's massive. (laughs) (laughs) Go well, Michael. Good chatting, buddy. See you later. See you, mate. We're going to have a quick break and uh, we'll come back with uh, Mikey and Gary and anyone else that wants to chat to us about what needs to happen tonight, 0800 150 uh, You're on Afternoons with Staffy with Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Back in a moment. Fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Straight back to the phones we go. Mikey Christchurch, thanks for holding on, Mike. Oh, no worries, mate. Hey, it's been a while, so it's good to talk to you again. Yes. Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> um, geez, I saw some sights driving home yesterday past the race course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we. That's uh, people have obviously had a lot of fun, which is great. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. It's awesome. Um, yeah, hey, this this game tonight, I, what most people are saying, I really, really hope we bat first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would give us the advantage to sort of free the arms a bit and go for it. Um, 
I've got the feeling that the Black Caps, with a lot of the youth there and some experience, will be just champing at the bit to get into this game. Because I think we're sick of being the bridesmaid at a lot of these finals. That we, if we get through Pakistan tonight, but let's also not forget that Pakistan are probably going to have 80% of the crowd behind them. Mm. So that's probably home advantage, right? So that's, I think that's a big factor. But the, the one thing I would say for most cricket watchers, because I'm fairly unsure of what he's doing, is this may be the last chance in a while that we get to pr- appreciate Trent Bolt um, playing for the Black Caps. Yeah, it's a good what point. He's doing. Yeah, so so regardless of result, but I've got a feeling we will win, let's just get him behind and just appreciate the wonders of that is Trent Bolt. And I just can't wait to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah, he's just him and Saudi. I just love it. I just love it. Yeah, so I think I'd rather us bat first and put the pressure on there rather than try and put pressure on in the field. I just think we've got more explosion in our batting than bowling. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. But how good Saudi been, though? Yeah, he's been brilliant. He just keeps winding back the clock, doesn't he? He's just fantastic. Such he does. a key component. He does. He's like a fight. He's like a fine wine, isn't he? He is. Yeah. And on that note, I look forward to my wine tonight watching the cricket. So uh, catch you later, mate. Good boy, Mikey. Thanks, buddy. Good chatting. Uh, We go down to Upper Hutt now. Talk to Gary. G'day, Gary. Uh, Really looking forward to this game tonight, mate. Oh, you're very muffled there, Gary. Oh, am I? Have you got me there? Got you now. Okay, all right. Sorry, mate. I'm just sitting out on the deck halfway through my isolation. Got a bit of COVID, so maybe there's a bit of that in there as well. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Um, yeah, so I need something to pick me up tonight, so I'm quite looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's um, great. I think, like you say, what we have to do is like, fit, we've got to bat first, and Phil Allen just has to go out there and just go as mental as he can. And, um, yeah, just be brave. I mean, he's always going to go out and bat like that anyway. But the other one is Conway. I, I, he just really hasn't, apart from that first game, he's been a little bit out of touch, and i just got a funny feeling he just might come right tonight. And um, I heard a little interview with him earlier on in the week, and yeah, he's sounding pretty confident. So I think if those two go out there, and if we can just put up a big score and just try and dishearten the Pakistanis, because we all know what they can be like. You know, mm. if, if they're not that interested, they can drop the bottom lip a little bit, and then we can have it all over them. But if they get a, if they get a sniff, they can be so difficult. Yeah, <laughs> so, I yeah, know. No, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a good three hours. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Um, well, well, I wish you well in your uh, recovery from the vid and your isolation. And oh, yeah. uh, oh, well, good, good yeah. boy, good boy. Go well, thanks, Gary. Cheers, buddy. Um, someone texted into Ricardo at 10 o'clock this morning. I'm just seeing it here. Um, and it's Kurt, and he's come up with a power play for the cricket tonight, and I quite like it. Conway, 25-plus runs, and Trent Bolt, one wicket. $3.50. Kurt's on it. I quite like that. Trent's going to get a wicket. So it's just like 350 Conway getting 25-plus runs. Is it that simple? Um, afternoon staff from Christchurch. Uh, three keys for me for tonight's match. with the new ball. Will the new ball swing? Question mark. And Lockie Ferguson's impact through the middle and how our top three get through the first eight overs. When, uh, when Mikey was just talking about uh, Finn Allen there, the thing about Finn Allen, if he's out for... 35, you just know he hasn't used many balls. And it's a great, if, if we're 45 off maybe five overs, it's a great start. It's a fantastic start. And he can he can do that for us. Um, so, yep, thanks for that text, Adam. We'll take a break for new sport and weather. We'll come back with Graham from Wairarapa. If you want to join in, 0800 150 811. Oh, listen, Buster.
Ah, we love Dave from Karaka and he loves to text. Uh, good afternoon, Staffy. For me, I think we need to drop Nisham and bring in Bracewell, give slow ball option and good with uh, sorry and good with the bat. It was a great day yesterday. Go the boys get paid. Cheers, Dave from Karaka. I've wanted to see Michael Bracewell the whole tournament. I don't think we're going to now. But he could be a, a could be a surprise packet. If they chucked him in tonight, a surprise packet. Uh, well let's go to Graham. G'day, Graham. Hey Dad, how are you? Good buddy. From a beautiful Tony, you know it's one of those Wellington days where you just can't beat Wellington. Yes, off oh, Tony along the foreshore, they're magnificent. Not a clear in the sky, mate, and it's hot. Good boy. Sensational. Hey, mate, I am my text through to Ricardo this morning that um, it's made its time that our openers stood up. Sorry, and I know it's very important in Test cricket for those sorts of things and 50 over to get a good start, but just as much in this um, format as well. The, the openers have got us, you know, stand up. And when's the last time that someone's had a decent score in T20 opening for us? I can tell you, it's Guptal. Mm. What one on open with um, uh, uh, what's his name and uh, and Guptal, and then he had Conway as first drop. I just, I, 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 he, he's been away from the arena. You know, is it? He'd have to go bang from 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 the get go. And Guppy, like. Uh, I watched Guppy, and in the in the latter part of his year of his, of his career, he he can be ten off twenty balls, and then he fires up. But if he goes out, we've wasted the twenty balls. And I think I do feel like they've moved on from him. Um, I'd love to see an informed yeah. Guptal, but I don't think we can guarantee he's in form now because he hasn't played. I oh, know, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think my point there is um, put two bangers in. Yeah. You know, because um, cause Conway's a bit of a bit of a push arounder and, uh, and 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 very good. I think he's awesome. Um, but um, I, I agree with that last caller too. Bring him, um, bring him Bracewell in because he's proven himself. Yeah. You know, he, uh, if he comes in at five or six, he could get a very quick sixty or seventy if we're in that position mm. and requiring it. And then we've got the spin option with him as well, and he's proven himself there. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we've just got to get a flying start, which we we are so bad at doing at the moment. If we can solidify the the flying start. The foundation is laid. Mm, that's it. That's it. Good stuff, Graham. Enjoy Patoni. Great part of the world. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers, buddy. Uh, Lockie Ferguson uh, fronted the press not too long ago, actually, and we're going to play a couple of things that he had to say. First of all, Lockie Ferguson on his role in the team. Yeah, look, for me, the game's so fantastic that it does change quite a lot. Certainly, it's nice um, when Tim and Trent are flying um, at the start and get early wickets, but sometimes that doesn't happen and it's important to sort of assess the situation. Um, certainly I hope that does happen for the boys, but uh, assess the situation and if uh, the other team is creating a lot of momentum, then try to shut that down as much as possible. It's um, not always going to work, but uh, I think you know being a part of that bowling group and the communication that we've had through each game, even when things aren't going necessarily well for other bowlers, it's amazing how quickly they are to come and help you. There he is, Lockie Ferguson. Um, sounds very relaxed and confident in his role too, but uh, they also put to him, and he commented on bowling at crucial points in the game. It's important, I guess, in those stages to keep your composure as well and know that the fight each ball is, is just as important. Even if you get hit for a six, uh, the next ball almost has more onus on it. So I just take it as it comes. Um, I'm very much a game-by-game type of player and 
um, take on each challenge as it comes. Certainly a semi-final brings uh, more difficulty, more pressure, um, but it's what we play for to be in these World Cups, particularly across the ditch with so many Kiwis in the crowd. Yeah, he's a crucial member, isn't he? And I just love when he is bowling at that 150k clicks. It's uh, fantastic to watch with his black shoes on. Uh, he's a good watch, and I hope he goes well. All the bowlers, all the batters. It's going to be a massive night. Remember, we have live commentary tonight. Build-up starts at 8.30, the toss, the lineups, and then Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott will take you through a very exciting semi-final. Quick break. On the other side, we'll talk to Tony out of Southland. Stick around. Uh, we'll go to the phones, talk to Southland, great part of the world. Tony, g'day, Tony. G'day, Staffy. A long time, no talk. Yeah, good to hear from you, Tony. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm really fingers crossed, hoping that we uh, win the toss and bat first tonight. Um, I just think we're a better better team putting scoreboard pressure on the other team. Uh, but what I'm hoping with the, with the batting order is they, they keep a left-hander and a right-hander. Yes, at the same time. yes, yes. If they can do that and have one of the... Why don't you like your, your Conway or your Williamson, your mainstays there, but have a, a blaster coming in and still try and keep that left-hand, right-hand combination. It just... It's it's so hard for a bowler to, to having to keep change their line, and it's so strict on if you're just a little bit down league side, it's a wide instantly, you know. Mm, yeah, 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 you're right, and you, it'll take them a couple more deliveries to scope their line and length, and you get a single and it cocks them all up again. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping Lockie Ferguson gets picked again. Um, it's great to see just that point of difference, that express pace, uh, express pace, um, and the parkies of you know being a from the continent, of course, they're just that much better at playing spin. Mm. Um, but you've got you have a really, really, really good top class spinner, and yeah, we've got um, Sodi and and uh, and Santner, uh, and they've got really good variations. But they're you know, I don't think the parkies will really that won't challenge them that much. Yeah. Whereas Lockie's pace will. Yeah, good point. Good point. Great point, Tony. See, that's why you've rung up because you had good points. And I've got Goldie's chance in the second, so I'm at uh, Rickenham Park. I've got, uh, the wife's got connections to it. Right, we're so, playing uh, that. We're playing that on radio. And I'm very happy about that. Good boy. Thanks, Tony. Cheers, Cheers mate. Um, just wanted to take a quick moment to just pay respects to Kevin Hart, who very sadly passed away uh, very recently. Um, you will remember Kevin Hart called all of the Waikato and Chiefs games on radio. Um, he had Steve Gordon sitting beside him and Nigel Jordan was the sideline eye for a long, long time. And um, I was very sad to hear the passing of Kevin Hart. I got to meet him a few times up in the commentary box at Waikato Stadium. And the endearing memory for me about Kevin Hart is he didn't call wings wings. He called them wing three quarters every single time. Gets it out to the wing three quarter. And he used the old school terminologies. And I loved it. He brought history, he brought authenticity to the game of rugby union football. Uh, Kevin Hart, a great traditionalist, and he has departed us now. And so if there's anyone from the wider Kevin Hart community, family, friends and colleagues, uh, we do pass on our sympathies for the Kevin Hart um, family and co. Uh, a man will be sorely missed. We go to Graham from Marlborough, formerly in Northland. G'day, Graham. Hey, Steph. Well said, mate. Thank you, sir. Well said. Um, um, just, just a couple of quick rugby things before I get on to the T20. If you get a chance, can you ask Mark Ranby? There was a rugby player who I won't mention recently secured, secured his first contract for Super Rugby, and he it was interviewed. And he said, oh, I'm going to have to go to my 
and he just secured it uh, electrical and finished a bit. I'm going to have to go in and, and resign. And I, and I thought at the time that that probably is not the right thing to do, you know, because you can slowly do it, you know, do the theory sort of thing, mm. maybe do one day a month of the practical. And I just thought, and I know his father quite well, so maybe he's having a yarn to him, but I just thought, well, mate, just hang, hang five for, for a minute. You know, you could break your leg in your first game of bloody rugby, super rugby in three places, and all you're good for is walking around the circus. Yeah. You know, so just just be interesting to see what Mark, Mark's advice would be. Yeah. Like, I, player, I know. You know well, I think he deals mainly with players who have retired, but I will ask him if he has anything to do with current players and setting them up as well, and just just see what he what yeah, he says just, about that. It just interested me, and I was it interested me, and I was just I know a few super rugby players and all, but I just yeah, I was just a little bit. I hope he did, that makes the right decision. And secondly, I've got six cousins, a nephew, and an auntie and uncle going to the Scotland All Black game. So um, all power to the mighty Thistle, mate. I, <laughs> I only ever say that when they're playing Scotland. I love the All Blacks the bits, but I, I, you know, I'll be getting um, FaceTiming my relatives, and, and I, Scotland got close in 2017. And if Ian Foster mixes and matches, you never know, mate. We might just pull off a Historic win. There you go. Lost, depending on what side of the... Well, <laughs> if, if, if Scotland win, me and all the listeners know that Graham uh, from Northland will be one happy man. So we'll get some solace in that, Graham. Uh, awesome to hear yeah, from you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, you still there? Yep, still here. Oh, yeah. yeah just on the T20, um, yeah, just go out there and do your thing, man. You know, we're, we're proud of you. We're good at getting to this stage or even the final. As I'm not... I'm not a fan of T20, but yeah, like everyone, there's more people better qualified than me have said we bat first. Yeah, go out there and hammer it. And then Trent and Tim and um, that youngest showed you, I like him, go and do your thing. Make us proud. Yeah, so that's made it. us proud anyway, you know, but uh, getting to the semis, putting Australia out, I all stayed up and watched that game. That was unreal, man. Mm. So yeah, just go hard and good luck to them. And let's, yeah, we'll see how we're feeling in the morning. That's it, mate. Good on you, Graham. Good hey, mate, chatting. Take care, mate. Thanks for talking to me, brother. Take it easy. Always, mate. Always. Um, Graham, out of Marlborough, but his roots are in Northland and also in Scotland. Um, Gary, that we spoke to earlier, said, I forgot to say I'd like to see Bracewell in for Mitchell, as I think he's a better bowling option if needed, and he's an explosive batter as well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a massive night. Remember, we have live commentary tonight. Uh, the preview starts at 8.30. We'll have the toss. We'll have the team lineups. We'll have the tactics. We'll have Grant Elliott, Daniel McCarty. And, um, well, we've got a call from Australia now, and Adam is heading to the game tonight. Oh, my gosh, we're all jealous. Adam, g'day, Adam. How you going? G'day, mate. How are you? Very well. Jeez, you'll be fizzed up. A Kiwi in Australia, World Cup semi-final. Yeah, yeah, pretty pumped, mate, pretty pumped. Um we originally, me and a couple of mates, thought about getting tickets uh, back before the tournament started, and we were kind of like just held off to see whether New Zealand was going to make it, and uh, didn't want to jinx it. And fortunately enough, yep, we're in the we're in the semi, so pumped, all booked. Do you feel a bit more pumped because you're away from home, and so's our team, and you're there with them, and you can carry them to the to the glorious heights? Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, and I guess make uh, people at home a little bit jealous of my experience. So, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would you go to the final as well? Uh, mate, I've, I've looked into it and I've thought about it. Um, but flights are going nuts. It's like probably five or 600 return. Um, and the later I leave it, the, yeah, they're, they're going to get pretty insane. So, 
especially if um, if India make it as well. So, um, yeah, look, who knows? Maybe, but it's, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Mate, enjoy it. You're, you're representing five million of us back here. Get them home for us, Adam. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Enjoy the game. Cheers, buddy. There's Adam out of Australia. Fantastic to hear from him. We'll take a break on the other side. We're going to catch up with Lisa Allpress. Well, Louis Herman, what caught up with Lisa Allpress? Then we'll talk to Louis himself, previewing a big day at Rickerton. A big day at Rickerton today, and Louis Herman Watt is on the ground. He's just filed this report. He caught up with Lisa Allpress. Big day. Not quite. Not quite ready. No, 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 said Sammy H. <laughs> just loading it onto our little play thing. Here she is, Lisa Allpress with Louis. Here we are, Copeland's Bakery Mile Day, Rickerton Park, and it is a ripping day. One of my favourite jockeys, Lisa Allpress, is with us for a quick skim over her rides. Lisa, are you happy to be here? Is everybody happy to be here today? Yeah, how could you not be? It's a beautiful day. It feels like summer's just around the corner and um, went for a quick walk out on the track this morning. It was really, really nice. I put plenty of water on, so there's probably going to be some really nice footing out there today. Amazing. Now let's bounce through a couple of your nice chances and we'll start with Mia Sorella in race three. Yeah, she's fresh up today and over the 1400, so it's a bit of a tricky ask and a wide barrier draw, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. Her trial was six weeks ago, so whatever she does, she'll take improvement, um, but by all accounts, she has been working well and she looks super. Beautiful. Uh, race four, it's only money. Well, it's not to us punters, so... <laughs> Good win last start, and when horses are in form, um, Ross Beckett's horses are always, you know, at the races, they're good chances. Yeah, yeah, he's got a nice team in today, Ross. Um, Rubicon Crossing might be... F- well, it's tough against those tangerine two-year-olds, and they look like they might all three go past the post first. Yeah, I hope so, and I hope my one's one, the, the, the first one. Um, but she's got a sticky drawer out there. Um, I think the other two might have... Um, the, the run on her with the draws. In the breeders, Greg O'Connor had live drama as one of his best of the day. So what do you make of Lance Robinson's mare? Yeah, happy to be on her. I haven't ridden her for a long time, so I've been watching her win without me on her. Um, just the way things have turned out. Really nice horses, always showing a bit. Um, tricky barrier draw again, um, but horses in form, and so is Lance Robinson. He is, he is. He's striking insane at the moment. And Astrakhan in the last, if we do get that far and it's still only money? Yeah, um, Astrakhan went, actually went really well the other day. She just over-raced, so Terry's put the Norton bit on her today, so hopefully I can just get her just to come back to me for a, you know, just get those um, sectionals just a slightly slower and get her just to really switch off, and then she'll have a bit more at the finish. Lisa, go enjoy the day. It's a beautiful sunny day. Hopefully you ride a winner or two, and thank you. No probs. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Lisa Allpress there joining Louis Herman Watt, who joins us now. Louis, we're uh, three minutes from the news, which means we're about seven minutes from race two. Set the scene for us, champion. You're, you're like a, a pig in a trough. You're loving your work down there, race trackside. Good day. What's it shaping up like? Yeah, I'm travelling sweetly, Staffy. Um, all set up here. It's actually, here you go. This is all you need to know. Jake and me had a beautiful seat, uh, had our desk set up out the front looking at the track, and we nearly melted within 10 minutes. So we've moved around the back facing the birdcage so we can get a little bit of reprieve from the Christchurch mainland heat. It is hot today, mate. And I just went out on the track with Lethal Leith in us. I said, Leith, come on, out we go. Tell me what you're seeing when you get out here. And he goes, mate. Can you not feel it? It is rock solid. It's a little bit softer than it was in the weekend, but you can't even get your finger into it. It's wow. just, it really is, it is that hard out there. And they've got a good cushioning of grass, but look, it's going to be the same story. Fast horses up on the speed, like exactly like Mick was talking to us yesterday, Staffy, about the horses mm-hmm. up on the speed, the marker pegs and the harness. 
it'll be like that today. It'll be hard to be winning off the pace unless there's an electric tempo set. We had a text earlier on just saying, big race day, back tangerine all day. Agree? Well... One of my best bets is actually, yeah, one of my best bets. Look, I think Sky on Fire in race five wins. It's the two-year-old race. This is what they do. They win two-year-old races. Um, this filly, the exceeding Excel filly, she had a look around Rickon Park last start. This time she's going to be much better. Sky on Fire will be winning, I would say, race five. Uh, I do have Marcus Aurelius, my soft top pick in the Copeland's Bakery Mile, but Gee, it's an open race, and boys get paid have hammered. He's a doozy. They've had 60 grand on at 360, and I must mention that they're punters club because it will move markets today. Well, Goldie's chance. It was my next best of the day, along with Sky on Fire and one in race three. And Goldie's chance, which is in this race just coming up, they've had 10K on it at about $4.20 or $4.50, somewhere around that range. Jumps from barrier one. These are good fillies. Deploy is a good filly. So is Express Coop. I had no issue when I saw Goldie's chance parading. She just went around. She looked nice and calm. She looks pretty full of herself. I think she can bounce from barrier one and be pretty hard to catch here. Number six, Goldie's chance. Well, $4.50 shot will get us up and underway beautifully, Louis. Hey, listen, thanks for putting in the hard yards for us down there at Rickerton. I know you're going to file as many chats uh, to us and we'll play them out to the listeners. We'll play races as well. Go well, Louis. Uh, thanks for coming in. Chat later, Seth. Cheers. There he is, Louis Herman. What trackside for Rickerton? We'll be bringing you race two. So there he is. It's going to be hard on the back of the news. Goldie's chance. Horse number six. Drawn number one. Uh, it's a fourteen hundred metre race, and it's paying four fifty. Boys get paid have lumped on, and there's some good minds in the boys get paid. So take a line from them. I think four fifty is a nice little one to get your Rickerton experience underway. So we'll take new sport and weather, and then we'll come back and we'll have race two from Rickerton. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. It's like Bulldog. Bulldog. Righto, welcome back in. We are just over a minute away from race two at Rickerton. Uh, Louis' pick, and a lot of people's pick, is Goldie's Chance. It's just eased out to 480. In fact, both favourites, are Deploy and Goldie's Chance, were both 450 before the news. They're now both 480. I'm just trying to find what's... This horse is moving out. That must mean there's horses moving in. Uh, a little bit of a turn in for Guitar Man. Now, Goldie's Chance and Guitar Man are the only two horses in this field that have won on a good track. Because we've had the unseasonal soft tracks in recent times, most of these young horses have been running on rain-affected tracks. And while Deploy has had the most wins in the race, uh, with three wins, they've all been on soft tracks. It's had one race on a good track, which we've got today, and it didn't fire. Um, so now... Guitar Man goes favourite, 480. We've got three favourites, 480 for Guitar Man, Deploy and Goldie's Chance. Goldie's Chance has drawn the one. 
Deploy has drawn the two. Guitar Man has drawn the three. Oh, boy, it's going to be a battle royal down on the rail. It's a beautiful day at Rickerton at the moment. Uh, three joint favourites. Unbelievable. Unbelievable in race two. Um, but Goldie's Chance is the one that people are plumping for. And I don't always agree just for the heck of it, but I think I'm going to. Look at track, look at distance, look at conditions. I think it does point to a, what What do they say? I'll, I'll get my racing vernacular out. Points to a very forward chance. Anything that it does today will go on and continue to be good. Um, looking for a big, a big run. Uh, got a 55 kilo, 56, 56, all carrying much the same. And bang, Guitar Man. It's come, they've come late for Guitar Man. Um, horse two, Guitar Man's just gone to $4.20 favourite. So the late money Guitar Man, we are cheering Goldie's Chance. Let's go to Rickerton. Set racing now, the three-year-olds are off, and last to go was Boss Man. Guitar Man wasn't all that fast away either. Deploy fired out, running Goldie's Chance with the eight of the inside, moves through to second. Express Cope away kinder today, goes over to third on the upside of Jaffa. A length and a half away, that's Charming Nakamoto. Well back on the inside of horses then is Guitar Man. Madame Giselle improves three wide from correction, and back at the rear is Boss Man, a thousand to go. Deploy a length and a half, Goldie's Chance, and then Express Cope, Jaffa fourth along the inside and then Nakamoto. That's charming the rail. Three wide is Madame Giselle. She's had no luck. In the centre is correction from Guitar Man and Boss Man is last. 700 metres left to gallop and the leader is Deploy. Leads by three quarters. Goldie's chance is close enough. Jaffa stablemate third. Express Cope poised fourth and then came Nakamoto. From That's Charming, Guitar Man with a bit of work to do sticking toward the inside and well back on the arter is Madame Giselle. Deploy the leader. Getting toward the 400 metres. Goldie's Chance now called upon, levelled up and quickly went on by Deploy. Into the clear, then is Express Cope. Wider out, Nakamoto. Leader Goldie's Chance. Jaffa got a run through from Express Cope and Nakamoto. Goldie's Chance inside the 200. Jaffa's a length away. Then came Express Cope and Nakamoto. Still Goldie's Chance in front. Jaffa the outside coming after it. It's a Ross Beckett, Quinella. Which way? Jaffa. Jaffa got up to beat Goldie's Chance. Photos for third between Express Cope and and Nakamoto. Then came correction. Followed over by guitar man Madame Giselle. Lisa Allpress. Lisa Allpress, who we just heard from before the news, has just got up in the shadows of the post. It was one of those, uh, if you didn't get to see it, Goldie's chance was leading, leading, and I would say got headed with, headed about now, 20 metres from the finish line. It's gone down by half a head. But a fight, geez, that was a fight. Good Cornell, and then there's a good couple of lengths back to third and fourth. So Jaffa, Jaffa opened at 11, and it went on the drift, paying $16. Lisa Allpress, beautiful run. Um, two wins on the trot. Two wins on the trot, actually. Uh, one at Hawke's Bay last time. Uh, $15, $16 shot, 12 on the tote, 16 fixed odds. Jaffa, Lisa Allpress, racks up one. And just to, I'll just go back and if you're following, uh, race one was just a lad paying around the $10 mark. So we've had a $10 shot and a $16 shot in the first two races. Next race goes at uh, $140. Um, just a quick look at that market for you. Betty Spaghetti, heck of a name. Becky Spaghetti, ridden by Daniel Stackhouse. There's just names deluxe there. That opened, get this, that opened at $9. It's now 380 That is a move. 
That is an absolute move, and it's a one-start horse with just a second, uh, just a second to its name. Nine dollars to three eighty. Uh, Mia Sorrell has gone from eight fifty into six. Take on's been solid. Try and find the ones that have drifted the other way. All the ones that opened sort of 15, 20, 30, they've all doubled in price. So the money has really come on Betty Spaghetti, where there's smoke, there's fire. And it's usually stable money, or maybe Boys Get Paid have jumped on that as well. Uh, massive go for it. Massive, massive go for it. All right. Appreciate all your calls in that first uh, hour. It was good stuff. Uh, what I took from it, we all can't wait for the T20 World Cup semi-final tonight. Commentary here on SCNZ. Dan McCarty, Grant Elliott will bring you it from 8.30, first ball at 9 o'clock. And also we have the um, second semi-final tomorrow night, India-England. And I just keep thinking, whenever I say that, when we talk to Mark Howard, and I said, who do you think we've got a better chance to beat in the final? He said, he said Melbourne Cricket Ground, New Zealand, India. 90,000 India fans in the MCG. Do you want that? I went, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. It'd be an amazing occasion, amazing atmosphere, but harder to beat than England, potentially, with what's in the stands. I think so. But anyway, uh, live T20 World Cup. has been great to bring you the whole tournament. We've got the big, big semi-finals coming at you um, from tonight. Uh, just to confirm, Jaffa won that race. Goldie's chance second and Nakamoto... One of the Pittman's horses has run third. No time posted, but they look to be getting along. Right, we'll have a break. On the other side, we're going to catch up with Mark Ramby. He's involved with the Rugby Network. He deals a lot, well, exclusively with retired players from rugby, readjusting to, I guess what some of us would say, a normal life or a non-rugby life. So, Ramby, after this. Something a little bit different now. Uh, A man that will be familiar to a lot of rugby people is Mark Ramby. He played for... Oh, the mighty Manawatu, the Central Vikings, which is a bit of a collector's item. He's played Super Rugby for the Canes and the Chiefs. He's All Black number 1001. His name's Mark Ranby. He's with the Players Association, but but an offshoot of them called the Rugby Network. Welcome you in now, Mark. Welcome in. Thanks, Steph. No, great to uh, have a yarn with you today, mate. Yeah, long time no speak. Um, Rugby Network, can can you explain, like, as I say, you, you sit alongside the the Players Association, and, and we know that they're heavily involved in the current guys, but you're more involved in the past players, is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's the, the, I guess the idea of the Rugby Network um, yeah, has sort of emerged, um, I think, you know, alongside professional rugby and, and I think with the Players Association, with its inception, um, and I guess like everyone realises with rugby, you're not going to um, play it right through your... Your, your working life. So, what is this? Um, yeah, what does the the part after you've had your career look like? And I guess with the game being professional now, you know, I guess in professional sport terms, it's it's um, starting to mature. But um, you know, there's there's I guess a number of players out the other end of it. And it was yeah, looking at how can we I guess yeah put a bit of resource into that to to try and um, yeah support. Um, and create that that sort of network that really, I guess, gets thriving and and gives back um, support to each other. But yeah, but also um, yeah, can contribute to the I guess the current players um, coming through. Yeah, so do you deal mainly with guys that have hung up the boots and are out trying trying or starting businesses, forging careers, or do you get your fingers on the guys that are still currently playing and say, hey guys, this isn't forever. 
Um, here's some opportunities. What, at what stages of careers do you become involved at the Rugby Network? Yeah, I, I guess predominantly um, my brief is to, yeah, to, to get connected with um, the, the retired playing group. Um, but obviously my kind of own experience um, after my playing days, um, I guess I was fortunate enough to, to find work in the personal development programme which is a, a partnership between the Players Association and New Zealand Rugby, which is to have the conversation around what else are you interested in um, as a person? You know, you're, you're, um, yeah, you're, you're an individual, I guess, first, um, that happens to be good at rugby. So that whole, I guess, question around identity and, and trying to, yeah, have that conversation with athletes to prepare um, for that time when they're, when they're no longer playing. So, that was, I guess, kind of my own experience that I found my way into that into that role. So I have a bit of an understanding of, of that space. Um, so I, I still um, relate well to the personal development managers that we have, you know, um, part-time PDMs, some of them full-time in provincial unions and then full-time in, in super rugby environments. So, yeah, I, I mean, I the, the main part is to, to work with the retired players, but obviously... You know, you can see that the learnings and experiences from from um, the, the players um, to, to sort of feedback and have conversations with the current players. I think that's, you know, where that, that idea of the rugby network is that it can, yeah, support retired players, but also this, um, I guess, a way to give back and, and contribute still to the game by, um, yeah, having a coffee or catching up with a player that might be interested in exploring the the business or um, the work environment that, that a certain player has, has sort of um, planned to get into or found, found their way into. Because yeah, I've been around rugby, gosh, since you were a young fella coming through and I've seen guys have their careers and come out the other side and some of them really struggle from the structure that's been provided for them for 10 or 15 years. They know they've got to be there at 8.30, they've got to eat that at that time, then we've got stretching, then we've got this and then I have to have, have a rest and and they do that for years, and then just like bang, it stops. Mm. And like, yes, they need work, but they also need, they lose a lot more than just work and income, don't they? They, lo- they lose a bit of an identity, and you've sort of touched on that. So what are some of the, the main challenges that um, present themselves to you with some of the retired players? Yeah, I think you, you raise a really good point, Steph, and, and I think, I guess that that's the reality, and and, and while the I, you know we're working hard on that personal development program to, um, you know, to highlight these issues, but I guess you know the reality the reality is that they are employed to, um, you know, um, provide you know, um, a performance at, at the end of the week. Um, so yeah, it, it is very structured, uh, and there's a lot of support I think you know around them, um, and so that yeah it's. it's trying to raise the awareness of that and then like you say how do we um, support them and, and that, that's been a discussion around how do you um, yeah I guess and, and how do our environments encourage um, agency I guess or that, that ability to, to know what you want and, and actually contribute and, and I think rugby does um, do a great job in um, developing that with individuals you know I think you see um, perhaps players that move into into leadership positions within their teams, um, they they do develop skills, and those skills are, are, are specific to rugby, 
So part of it, I guess, part of our role, and I have a fantastic colleague, um, Fiona Brading, who has a, a sort of career um, support background, um, ran, her, ran her own business around career consultancy, um, and she came into rugby as the um, personal development manager for North Harbour. And so she's a great resource to, to have conversations around um, transferable skills um, and yeah, and looking at how players can explore the, the, yeah, those skills. Perhaps, you know, sometimes they're talked about as soft skills. Um, players, I think, have a great ability to relate to a, a, a wide group of, um, you know, society that, that's part of their role. So how do, yeah, how do they get to understand? Because I think, Part of the problem sometimes is that they're unaware of the skills that they have developed in, in rugby and how can we, we look to um, explore those and then see how they might fit in a, in a different environment. And I think that's often the challenge mm. is is that the, the environment that they've worked in is, is, very, um, is very unique. And then going to another work environment, they, they don't have, that's the tough part actually transferring and, and building experience in other environments and working out how they can do that. But I think there's great examples of um, Bronson Murray, um, you know, who, who played for Northland, um, the Highlanders, um, has gone back up north and with his wife Ida have created an amazing business up there, um, North Drill, um, where I think, you know, that they're using, um, Bronson's using a lot of, I think, what he learned from rugby about environments and team culture, and, and obviously Ida as well, bringing her flavour to that, and, and a very um, you know Tiao Māori worldview, but you know really um, improving a lot of of, of their, their workforce and creating a, a real Fano and an achievement based in their business. So I think that's a really awesome example of of using some of what they you know what Bronson learned in, in his rugby in the rugby environment and team. And culture and, and bringing that into a, into a work environment. And so, um, do you utilise the likes? That's a great story about Bronson Murray and his wife. I love that. But can you, can you then um, use Bronson and has he got an appetite to help mentor others um, that might have just been finishing? And he can just go, bro. This is this is a path that I sort of took and take some lessons from what what he's done. And and then you become he can become like your little lieutenant or a bit of an inspiring guy that's lived it, breathed it, doing it. Yeah, I, th- I think we've identified that, that that's certainly an area that we really want to, um, you know, lift, you know, really lift up is that is providing the stories um, and the experiences of, of players. Um, and, and like you say, that, that's exactly what I guess the vision of the Rugby Network is, is, is about, um, is, is those, yeah, creating those opportunities for a, for a conversation or, or potentially a relationship to emerge a bit of mentoring. Um, you know, for that to occur. Um, you'll remember Paul Thompson, um, another front row, who, you know, again, got a, got a, um, a, a great business, um, insulation business, you know, for houses. And um, he's, he's now involved in the Blues alumni. So, so a lot of the super clubs have set up their own, I guess, retired players like a university alumni. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, relate and work with them as well. But you know, he's um, built a relationship with Jordan Lay um, because he's, I guess, got in and, and started up his own business. Jordan's got some interest in that area. So, you know, they've, they've formed a bit of a, a, a relationship there. So that, I think, is their examples of, of what we're trying to achieve. It's, you know, it's just how do you 
um, increase the scale of that. Yeah, because I hear some cool stories that don't really come to surface. I know um, Kieran Fonatia and Marty Banks are going to go into tiling or or flooring or something like that, but Marty refuses to retire, so Kieran's just just sort of waiting for him. Um, This is really cool, this space that you're working in, and... um, you know, we're going to catch up, thanks to your assistance, we're going to catch up with a few of these guys over the next few weeks and uh, just talk to them about a little bit about their playing career but then, and then the steps and the challenges and, and the obvious successes. But there's not always successes, Rambo, and, and, and you probably know that as well as, as anyone, that there's some, some real tough conversations have to be had. And I guess some of them, you can, you can have a half-hour meeting and then they're away, but others would take a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely, Steph. And, and I think, yeah, that, that is um, the, the reality of the situation. And, and I think, you know, there was a survey done, um, I think, back in 2012 that had about 123 former players. Um, you know, a majority of them had played to the super, super level. Um, and, you know, I think there was around 30% that, that did find it challenging, um, you know, post um, their playing days and, and, and their mental health or anxiety and, and those sorts of things were a part of that. And I, and I think, you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, I think part of the challenge is that there's so much change um, when, when a player retires from rugby. It's not only, yeah, their, I guess their job that, and, a, and a passion and something that they've loved to do has sort of, has sort of stopped. Um, they may be returning back to New Zealand from overseas. Um, you know, potentially, um, if they've got a wife or partner, they they may be looking to re-enter the workforce. There's children involved. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot. The, the dynamics, I think, not change within the I guess the family unit um, as well as for the individual. Um, and, and often, you know, we I think there's a lot of um, research being done is that sort of 18 months to two year period is, is quite a challenge mm. um, because it's a, it's a, yeah, just getting used to this, this different way. And like you say, there, there might not be as much support or the um, word of perhaps like the availability or the presence of that when you're in the environment and you know that the doctor's just in that office or um, is on the side of training or, you know, um, it's present, a lot of that support. So to then not have that, it's, it's sort of not that it's not there, but I think because the accessibility has been so um, so easy um, and some of those skills to, to seek out and, and, and ask for the help is, is perhaps um, the bit that we need to, to work on. And that's, that's a bit of that agency that I, that I t- talked about earlier. Mm. Talking to Mark Ramby, uh, working with the Rugby Network, which is part of the Rugby Players Association. Um, very important role. And final question, Rambo. I'd imagine players that head offshore, and some of them can have 10-year careers overseas. Some of them stay over there, but a lot of them do come back. Is I'd imagine that's an even harder challenge for ones that have gone offshore. Now, yes, they've made a lot of money, and I don't poo-poo that at all, but they've lost a lot of their connection to mm. corporates and just New Zealand society, and they just pop up, and you just go, oh, geez, I'm back, and I don't really know anyone. Are the returning rugby players um, a bigger challenge? Yeah, I think I think you've identified really well that, that they present a, a, a different... Um, yeah, sort of set of challenges, perhaps that um, doesn't necessarily mean that it, it, it that makes that their um, 
it's a, it's a harder task. But I think that's where I think the alumni have been been awesome. If they've reached and played at that super level. Um, and I think you know again Fiona, who I mentioned earlier, um, her role really is to stay in touch with those players when they're offshore. Mm. So and and he continue to have those conversations because a lot of them realise I think when they go overseas that um, the environment here in New Zealand does provide some you know extra supports um, that that don't you know say in, in Japan or or maybe in France. Um, Particularly, you know, in, in countries that spe- are speaking a different language, you know, they, they present um, different challenges. Um, but Fiona does an amazing job. Um, she's got I don't know how many WhatsApp groups um, where she stays connected and um, provides online sort of webinars around different, um, you know, areas. Like she's done a great job relationship with the police. Um, yeah, talking about. Um, coaching opportunities as well, um, you know, looking at level two coaching courses. So, yeah, it's, it's been great to keep that connection. I think that's been a real, really awesome um, evolution of, of the support to the players. So she's able to let, let me know, I guess, and hand players over. So we're just a little bit more aware of, of when players are returning. Um, so th- I think that's been a really um, awesome um, addition to the, I guess, the, the, the NZRPA and, and, and that support to be providing so that there's an awareness and so plugging them back into an alumni say um, and and letting you know that 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 organization get them involved so like you say there's a they are kind of connected back into a network of people that might be able to um, provide some introductions um, yeah depending on on what what areas or, or whether they're keen to to maybe look to start their their career back here in New Zealand. Well, Mark Granby, it's been um, fantastic to catch up with you, and I'm looking forward to catching up with some of the ones that you've been working with over the next few weeks. I think there's going to be some fascinating stories come to light. You're doing uh, great work, uh, you and your little team there, and um, thanks for jumping on today. And as I say, looking forward to hearing some of the stories. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week, buddy. No, thanks so much, Steph, and and yeah, thanks for your support for um, perhaps uh, having having these conversations with, with players. Go straight to Paul Mawadi because we've got Louis Herman Watt waiting online. He's got a tip for us in the next race, and we're going to take that. So we go, Paul, Louis, race. It's jam-packed. Paul Mawadi, welcome in. Yeah, thank you, Steph. And uh, speaking of Louis Herman Watt, I believe, I'm getting the feeling that the boys get paid, jumped on his tip in race two at Rickerton, Goldie's Chance. They put $10,000 on at $4.20. <laughs> Only just got nutted on the line. Yes, they did. Just, I want to talk mm. to you about the cricket. We'll do racing with Louis, but the cricket, we've got commentary on tonight. Which way is the money come? Is there is there any money for Pakistan? No, there is. There, there definitely is. Um, they're not uh, without friends. So, what are they? They're currently $2.03. The Black Caps are $1.73. So, the Black Caps have come in off their opening quote, and that's because we have taken around three times as much money on the Black Caps than we have on Pakistan in that head-to-head market. But um, the multis um, are stacking up on the Black Caps. So there's a wee bit of confidence out there. I don't think we have to remind punters of, uh, what was it, 1992, the the young guns. We won't mention that. All in the Marmol Hark. We won't. (laughs) Um, the bookies have also put a number of power plays together that punters are getting stuck into, and they've boosted 
Glenn Phillips to be the top New Zealand run scorer. Uh, what was he? He's uh, $5 in the actual uh, top run scorer book. Boosted out to six fifty if you want oh. to take him boosters. Yep, Glenn Phillips. Money for peanut butter. And very quickly, Black Ferns, England. Which has got the traffic? No surprises here. <laughs> There's going to be a packed house uh, on the weekend, and I think everyone that's there is going to ha- has already had a bet on the Black Ferns. So they have been very, very well backed. I can understand why, too. Uh, they've been playing very, very well. That was a wonderful semi final that uh, we saw on the weekend against uh, the French. They're 250, the Black Ferns. The English women, $1.47. And we have seen support for New Zealand, so um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if the bookies can hold that price up for much longer. Two fifty on the Blackburns to win. Beautiful, Paulie. We got a scoot. Thanks for your time, mate. Very good. Have a good one, Steph. Cheers, buddy. Tab.co.nz. All those sporting uh, options, and also all the record and options. We scoot to record and uh, Louis Herman's what had his ears, his eyes, his nose to the ground. And he's found something, I think. Louis record welcome. Oh, Staffy, we can't punt it now. Well, you can because it'll be winning. But um, you've lost the value, unfortunately. $3.20 now. They cannot turn the tap off on Betty Spaghetti. One of the better named horses <laughs> on the card today. <laughs> Betty Spaghetti. And uh, Betty Spaghetti wins, right, Tim Mills? Yep, he gave me a wink and a nod. Yep, there we go. Perfect. So the CEO agrees. And uh, I think it's got to be a red-hot chance. Today. Daniel Stackhouse, how good to have a genuine... Metro Victorian rider riding at this carnival. He is a born and bred South Islander. He's from the region and he jumps on. Betty Spaghetti ran huge time last start. It was big in its its debut. Comes back today. Good barrier. It's into $3. Oh. So this is opened at 9 staff. It's into $3. I tipped it this morning when it was more like $4.40, $4.60. It might have even been $4.80. There's a, there's a uh, weary, we're going to be weary of the danger here, and the danger is Lisa Allpress. We heard her what she said about Mia Sorella before. It's a genuine chance at six dollars and two thirty. And what about how Allpress, Lisa, absolutely Allpressed us on the line with Jaffa? <laughs> what Jaffa a race! <laughs> what a race that was! I tell you what, Louis, looking at the track conditions and the overhead conditions, could it be any more perfect? Oh, it's hot, mate. And it's not. It's the the wind hasn't the wind hasn't gone uh, too hectic yet. It's kind of just starting to breeze. I think it's going to go southerly later. But no, at the moment, Staffy, it is a mint day. Like you'd want to be out in Hagley, bowling the cherry. You want to be on the track, having a cold <laughs> brew. It's just one of those days, you know. It's like a classic summer day. And oh, by the way, I went and bought a new hat from Farmers. And you know, you you've got one of these, kind of like those. Um, Oh, I don't have my Jitsi on anymore, but kind of like that white hat. It's kind of like a Pan- Pan- Panama kind yes, of bigger than a fedora. I saw it before. I saw it before. Smooth. Oh, mate, I'm feeling confident, you know, <laughs> look good, punt good, hopefully. Got the swagger on. Kind of I like that, mate. All right, we're going <laughs> to well, watch. Well, Not if Betty Spaghetti gets up, we'll, we'll be feeling good. You're shouting hats for the crew. I like that. I like that, Louis. <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, coming in, not tuning in, coming in and giving us that intel. Good stuff. Chat later. Louis Herman Watt, he's like, he's like the, the roving reporter today for us, and I'm just looking at the pictures coming in from – Rickerton, it is a magnificent course. And the thing I love about Rickerton and a number of courses around New Zealand is the big, long home straight. So if you've got a horse that likes to ease off the pace, chance. If you've got a horse that likes to lead, chance. And then it's just like a free-for-all. Like they turn in, and I don't know the exact number, but it's got to be a 450, 500-metre straight. 
Um, everything's in with a chance, and it's just about those experienced jockeys knowing when to push the green button on their horse and say, go, you good thing, go. Oh, Betty Spaghetti's $3 favourite. Mia Sorella, the Lisa Allpress mount. That's at $6. And then it's out to $9. Tommy Turbo, uh, which is a Michael Pitt. I love the Pittman horses, locally trained horses at big race meetings, Pittman. Um, and he's also got another one called Bella Rose. But all of the indications are it is Betty Spaghetti's race today. Um, still holding at three. I won't be surprised if that goes to 280. It has had such, like, as a bookmaker, it's called turn the tap off. So you've got to make it unattractive and make the other ones attractive to just try and not balance the book, but reduce a little bit of liability. But I would say it'll be a massive big red number next to Betty Spaghetti's name. I think they're all locked away now. So let's go down to Rickerton for the running of race three. Go Betty Spaghetti. Tunnel watch starting stalls, line complete. We're ready to roll. Set now, racing from the 1400 metres. Slow to move, Miss Otis regrets will get back. Miss Pearl fast away, capital expense. The outside, Betty Spaghetti just off those and Vodavir went up into third. Next along the rail is Bella Rose and wide Mia Sorella from Tommy Turbo. Then came in a centre of horses is Satellite around the outside of Take On. Then came Taking My Time from Amaterasu, who's well back along the inside. A length and a half away, Alicera. Ahead of those, Miss Otis regrets and back at the tail of the field is Madison Rose. Down toward the 850 they travel now and Miss Pearl is the leader. Miss Pearl by a neck. Right there on the outside as they wheel around the corner uh, is Bella Rose who's behind the leader and three wide is Mia Sorella and just in behind those is Capital Expense and then came Take On. The one up ahead of those was Vaudevere. Betty Spaghetti in an alright sort of spot following its satellite and the centre Capital Expense and Amaterasu heads the rest. Heads are turned at the 450. Miss Pearl to the inside of Vaudevere there. Then came Mia Sorella, Betty Spaghetti down the centre, Satellite trying to go with her, back to the inside, Bella Rose. Leader now Vaudevere went to Miss Pearl, Betty Spaghetti with her chance down the centre, still needs to rev up, Mia Sorella going with it, Mia Sorella, Vaudevere, Betty Spaghetti up the inside with a run then is Miss Pearl, Betty Spaghetti coming after Vaudevere who has the lead, Betty Spaghetti though, charges over the top and Betty Spaghetti won it, Betty Spaghetti for the Noodle fans, beat home Vaudevere, third and I think Miss Pearl from Mia Sorella. Then came Bella Rose from... Betty Spaghetti, Daniel Stackhouse. How good, up and about, fizzing, hissing and all of those <laughs> superlatives that we're used to from the racing crew. What a race. Um, beautifully positioned by Daniel Stackhouse. And this is what I'm talking about with experienced riders. Patience, patience, patience and then said go. Had one run at them. I think he only asked for the extra effort about 150 metres out. Levelled out, finished off nicely. Uh, across the line we've got Betty Spaghetti from Vaudevere. Uh Sam Winroyd, that was paying 11. Um, I'm just trying to find the third horse. Can't find the third horse, but yeah, nice. We've kicked off the day with a second and a first. Stick around, we'll take a quick break now. A break from uh, Victory at Rickerton, and we'll come back in a moment. It's time to bring in uh, Sammy Hewitt, back from long service leave, actually. Sammy, good to have you back in the chair. Thanks, mate. Are we doing What's Making News or are we doing Ma- Matthew Hayden? Oh, I thought we were doing What's Making News. I know, news. I just usually play the thing off the back. But... Yeah, but it didn't play. Okay, you want me to play it now? Play it now. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. 
What's making news around the world? You've had five just, days to construct this. Just thing. all a little bit excited about Betty Spaghetti. Yeah, um, very excited. Louis very excited. The text, my text on my phone's going nuts. Someone put fifty bucks on it. Well done to you, mate. Well done to you. Um, Ria, well, I have been beavering away actually for the last five days. They told me the bosses here. Uh, what's making news? Needs a little bit more, so we're going to give you five days leave to go out and come up with the best what's making news. So this oh is the pressure's on it because this is supposedly going to be the best one we've ever done, Steph. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, you're going to have to let me know. You may have to hand the reins over to Captain K. Captain K. Shall we start with the T-Rex? Now, stop me if these stories have been talked about over the last five days. We start with the T-Rex skull. Have we talked about that in the last few days? No. Brilliant. A T-Rex skull unearthed in uh, South Dakota. That is the place where you find dinosaurs, people, South Dakota in the US of A. How much do you reckon a T-Rex skull would fetch you at an auction? Oh, heaps. Mm. Heaps. Gun. Also, it weighs 200 pounds. It's 91 kilos it's a proper just skull. for a skull. I'm always low. One and a half million. Ah, oh, Steph, come on. Four million. Ah. Oh. Six million. No, double it. Twelve and a half million. Fifteen million. Fifteen million. And that's just the predicted price, of course. It may go up. A T-Rex. Go. I couldn't think, actually, if you were a fossil collector, Steph, is there any better fossil in the world than a T-Rex skull? A Tyrannosaurus skull? Sounding a little bit nerdy here, but I can't think of a better fossil. Mm. Can you? Probably not. No. Not that I'm a fossil person, but yeah, that'd be up. That that's up there with the oldest you could find. Yeah, two hundred and fifty odd million, something like that. Um, speaking of dinosaurs and national parks, <laughs> also found in South Dakota, uh, the national park in Colorado is begging people to stop licking the damn toads. Stop yeah. licking the damn toads, people. What does it do? Licking toads does something for you. DMT. Psychedelic. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a psychedelic. Uh, in particular, um, the Sonoran Desert Toad. Oh, well known. Which is well known for its DMT. Hallucinogenic. Hallucinogenic <laughs> uh, properties. But the public service, uh, National Park Service, is saying, guys, you need to stop licking the damn toads because, of course, not only does it give you the hallucinogen, it also can cause uh, irregular rhythm of your heart, heart blockage, reduced blood pressure, cardiac arrest, etc. And the effects are actually more severe if it get, gets absorbed through your skin. So I know you want to, you know, dance with the fairies and go to La La Land, <laughs> but stop licking the damn toads, man. Give the toads a break. Imagine being a toad and just getting licked all the time. Just leave me alone, man. I'm trying to hop. I'm just trying to do toad things. Just going to get to the pond Yeah, for a, for a hop. Keep your tongue to yourself. Just trying to get back to my wife, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Told you it was good. And finally, a man in the U.S., Alexander Tominsky, he's 31 years old, and he's celebrating today, Steph, because he's finished 40 days of consecutively eating a rotisserie chicken, a full rotisserie chicken, every single day for 40 days. Oh. And he's just eaten his 40th chicken, and he's celebrating. Probably celebrated by eating some chicken. Is that all he's eaten? Uh, no, not all of his eaten, but that's, that's a, a rotisserie chicken is a big beast to consume. Oh. If that's all you... I could easily eat one a day, but not one a sitting. 
I couldn't do it in a single sitting. I think he does it in a single sitting. Yeah, well, I well, think he does it in a single sitting, yeah. I think that's the whole sort of shtick. So he does that 40 times. He's done it 40 times in a row. Credit to him. Well you, know, you, know, you know what's coming next, eh? Mm, salmonella. We should get him on. <laughs> Alexander Tominski, Philadelphia. I reckon we could find him. Is he listening? Is he listening on the ECNZ app? Um, well, well, let him know. Okay, We'll next. play back the segment to him. Get him well, I'll finish with the fact if you want. Go on. You'll probably like this one, actually. I just want to take you back to 2016. Mm. And a grandmother, a Brazilian grandmother, unnamed, who was shocked to find out <clears throat> after praying to St. Anthony, who is uh, obviously a big Catholic uh, religion in, in Brazil. She's praying to St. Anthony for years, Steph. And her prayers probably weren't being answered. And she was just couldn't understand why before someone revealed to her that the figurine of St. Anthony she was praying to on her mantelpiece was actually uh, Elrond from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> figurine of Elrond from Lord of the Rings. So she uh, that's well, why her prayers weren't exactly being answered. Or maybe they were, and then maybe Lord Elrond's got some sort of power we don't know about. Why didn't Elrond go around and knock on her door? Good question. Senorita, you called. We'll get him on the show. Yeah, get him on the Elrond or St. Anthony. No, I think we could get Dirk Nowitzki on that um, ate 40 chickens. I'd love to get on the person that won the $3.2 billion lottery today in California. I saw that. Jackpotted. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Coming up to coming up to the news, um, just text from Jay. Uh, Jade says cheers for the Betty Spaghetti Boys, uh, and someone else said spaghetti for dinner tonight. Uh, but a couple have said that uh, the tips came a little bit too late and they got shut out, so sorry, yeah, saying listening to the racing chat. Just thought I'd ask if we can get the tips a little earlier. Yep, we will do our best. Sorry. Um, listening on the app, there's a delay, and so couldn't get on. So apologies, uh, Craig. And um, well, some will put 50 bucks on. Saying thanks for the tip, Louie. No worries at all. No worries at all. Uh, coming up to two o'clock, still going to chat to a BBC uh, journalist, Becky Gray, uh, previewing the Rugby World Cup final, Black Ferns, England. It'll be a ripper. We'll be back after the news. Afternoons with Staffy on ECNZ brought to you alongside, they sit beside us every day for the four hours. That is gold.nz is where you register and they will tell you where the locations are, but even more importantly, they'll flick you a text or an email saying today's our special day. So wrap your laughing gear around a bit of gull. Um, And being a Wednesday, it is Bailey's Property of the Week. Um, This one is in Karponga. So... If you want to breed some rugby players, go and live in Karponga and start your breeding over there. South Taranaki, great part of the world. This property, it's the first time on the market for 45 years. 45 years. 
Peter Kelly of Baileys in Hamilton and John Blundell from Baileys in New Plymouth. They're duelling over this one, but they won't duel for long because it's a ripper. It's at 834 Skeet Road, Carponga. Now, you've got the option of two titles. Um, it's flat contour, really good soil. You can either buy the whole farm or separate. So the two separate ones are a 53 hectare block with a house um, farm infrastructure. And then there's a 20 hectare block of bare land, but the two are connected by an underpass. Uh, they supply Fonterra. It milks 225 cows through uh, their wonderful modern shed. And they produce 100,000 kilograms of milk solids. That's not insignificant. Uh, the property will have a brand new effluent system with underground mains covering 20 hectares installed prior to settlement. So the hard work done. It's uh, subdivided by two and three wire electric fences throughout and one central race accessing all 28 paddocks. Again, the work's done. Water supply is reliable and easy with both the farm and the house connected to um, the Inaha water scheme. So water not an issue. It's a well-built brick home. It's got a self-contained sleep out. Hello relations. Hello relatives. Christmas time. Lots of lawn space. Hello swimming pool. Hello swing ball. Hello relatives. And of course, you got the magnificent Mount Taranaki as a backdrop. It is on baileys.co.nz, B-A-Y-L-E-Y-S.co.nz. The property number for this one is 231-3873. Baileys, property of the week. Don't forget too, we've got um, a great prize for our caller of the month. If you are the station's caller of the month, you can win an Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. That's hard to say, but geez, it'll be easy to own. Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. Had a couple of texts through asking about uh, yesterday's Good Oil Punters Club. Look, it wasn't great. It was fun, but fiscally not successful. So we did our dough, 1000 bucks. Went hard in the last two races trying to – it's hard trying to turn – $300 into a thousand and then that thousand into three, and it just didn't quite come off. So we'll line up again. But there is brewing, there's a big one brewing. It's called the $50,000 SENZ Quaddy Crush. That is thanks to us and thanks to the TAB. Now, the TAB and SENZ are both tipping in 10,000 each to kick us off 20,000. Once we get 300 punters to sign up with a hundred dollar TAB. Stake. So 300 punters will have 100, that's the other 30, then we get 50. Once it hits the 300, and we're well underway now, the punting starts. Louis, who's been on fire at Rickerton today, he's going to be placing the quaddies on behalf of the Quaddy Crush team right across the Grand Tour event series. And at the end, all 300 Quaddy Crush participants, you'll share the final pull. Now, it's, it's you've got a head start, because as soon as those 300 in, and they've put in the 100, it's already worth 166 because SENZ and the TAB won't take out their 10,000 at the end. It's there to share. So spots are filling. As I say, well over half the spots are filled. So you can sign up now and be part of the Quaddy Crush pool. Go to SENZ Radio slash win and keep listening for the updates. Punting doesn't start till the 300 are filled. Um, if you've got a lazy 100, just go to the win page on the SENZ Radio website and we will, um, once we get to 300, the fun and games will start. 
the fun and games will start. So get yourself involved in that. That'll be cool to follow. Um, that'll be great fun to follow. Soon we're going to be talking to um, Becky. Becky out of the BBC. Just before that, just clean up a few more text messages that have been coming in. Um, Staffy from Craig. You asked what needs to happen tonight in the cricket. We need Conway to get more than 25 runs. Trent Bolt to take a wicket and Glenn Phillips to be the highest run scorer. I like the Conway Bolt power play and I followed Ricardo in on his $17.66 multi. Oh, I hadn't caught up with that one. Have to go and squiz that one. Um, Staffy, great interview with Mark Ramby. It got me thinking, how many two players only played one test for the All Blacks? Mark Ramby, Craig Wicks, not sure about John Loveday and Bruce Hamada. Don't think they played a test though. Bruce Hamada didn't. He was selected for the All Blacks and I think did something like broke his leg before he got to play. Something like that. Bruce Hamada, he's still involved in Manawatu Rugby, Ken. Brucey Hamada and uh, Palmy Boys Rugby as well. John Loveday, I'm pretty sure he played a test, at least one. There was another player, Mark Finlay. Now, I don't think it was a test match. And it was some game, and the All Blacks were hit by injury, and he was in Australia. Oh, this could be so wrong. Um, Palmy Boys were over there, and he ended up playing a midweek game against New South Wales Country or something. I don't know. But one test, All Blacks from Manawatu. One test. So John Loveday, Jeff Old play more than one, Mark Shaw play more than one. Um, I don't know, I've got a mate who quite often listens to the show, Ruan. Uh, he's a Manawatu rugby historian, he'll probably point us in the right direction. Um, Andy Ellis has to be one of the best networkers during his playing time. He would always introduce himself and get around everybody at a function. Now he's thriving off the field. Andy Ellis is a tremendous bloke. I, th- I even think he played last year in uh, Major League Rugby in the US, didn't he? And uh, he did a bit of radio in between times. He won the Ellerslie Flower Show once with his he's a dab hand in the garden, Andy Ellis. He's got, he's got the whole shebang going for him, Andy Ellis. He will end up back in media in New Zealand once he does finish playing, if he wants. He's, he's a great chap. Um, more of this. Thanks for the tip, Louis. Someone else backed. Uh, Betty Spaghetti. Um, lots of people saying they're back Betty Spaghetti. This is good news. Loving Cup Week and the TRB accounts up and down like a yo-yo. Keep up the good work, boys. How'd the good Oils Punters Club end up yesterday? Brennan, uh, yeah, no, didn't end up that good. My account was up and down. I actually start, I finished the day just $10 down after a very vociferous um, betting extravaganza on my own part. Uh, barbecue grill, not as hard to say as the Temper Bear Post Text Machine, Staffy. I know, you'd think I'd have my head... My, I reckon I get Temper Bear Post Text Machine right about 90% of the time, maybe even 95 but there was a time. There was a time I'd be I'd be happy with a 60% mark at the end of the week. Temper Bear Post Text Machine. I tell you what, I met, I met the, um, the great people behind Temper and the people behind Bed Post when we had our broadcast from the Fox the other day. They came down and had a had a bowl of chips and a, and a quiet Chardonnay with us. Great people at uh, Temper and Bed Post. It was so cool to put faces to names. And I've actually, I've asked if we can talk to the lady from Temper because you know we play their ads and they do this. But, and this NASA certified stuff and I just want to know more about it because it does sound fascinating. So I'm going to try and get someone from Temper to come on the show just to explain themselves. Is it really NASA certified? Did they have to go to the moon to be... 
That's the centre forward. Um, Staff, I've put my hundy in, Staffy. Can't wait for Quaddy to start. So let's go, people. Get on. So Richard's part of the Quaddy Crush. Join Richard if you want. Heidi ho campers. George Whitelock. George Whitelock. Now, did he play for Manawatu? I don't know if he played for Manawatu. He came out of fielding, of course, where the Whitelock factory comes from. Did he just play one test? Didn't George Whitelock even captain the All Blacks once, didn't he? I think in a midweek... Um, in a midweek test. Staffy, was Bruce Amara one test all black? Yeah, look, I don't think he was. Again, some historian out there will know. I think he was selected but didn't play, I think. Let me just have a quick squiz. I'm not 100% sure. I think he was selected but didn't play. But um, someone out there will know. Someone out there will know. John Loveday, not sure. I might have to do a little bit of study. We've got a little ad break coming up very shortly, but I'll try and figure out... Craig Wicks, yes. But was Craig Wicks a test? Was he a test? I don't know. They, All Blacks played a lot of non-tests back in the days. You'd see players, you know, like, again, just guessing, but sort of Ian Kirkpatrick's era. A lot of those All Blacks of that era might rack up 30 games for the All Blacks and four tests. And they'd go on tours and they'd play, they'd play more non-test matches than test matches. Now pretty much the All Blacks just play tests, don't they? Uh, here we go. Someone's telling me about Brucey. Bruce Amara popped a rib on the eve of the Baby Blacks game against France and was replaced by Sean Fitzpatrick. That rings a bell. And also, also Sean Fitzpatrick made the Auckland team because a guy, oh, that's the broken leg story, or did his knee. The guy who was going to take his, get the start for Auckland at hooker did his knee the day before. And Sean Fitzpatrick came in as a very young man to Auckland. Never left the two jersey. Take your chances, people, when they come. Take your chances. We will have a break. Still to come, we've still got the chase coming up in about half an hour's time. Um, We're going to definitely bring you Rickett in race five, which is a big race on the card. Uh, But after this break, we're going to catch up with a BBC rugby journalist who is covering uh, the Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand for the English audience. Be fascinating to chat to her, Becky Gray, after the break. Massive weekend in rugby in New Zealand, the final of the Women's Rugby World Cup. Everybody knows that. Uh, We know it's England. We know it's New Zealand. It's the final everyone was predicting, and it's here. But both had pretty stern tests in the semi-final, both from the Canadians and the French. Now, joining us for a reasoned British perspective. Becky Gray from the BBC joins us. Uh, Becky, I know you've been here a while, but uh, from us, welcome to New Zealand. Uh, it's been a good old tournament, hasn't it? It has been amazing. And like you said, those semi-finals, they were just incredible, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I just it was hard to believe being there, Eden Park, Women's Rugby World Cup semi-finals, and they both delivered, didn't they? Massively, just just massively. Now, I know you've followed the game. Before we talk about this week, actually, in this tournament, I want to go back back to your home country and just the the historical nature of women's rugby in England. When did the switch turn? When did the fun start coming in? When did the contracts start being a bit more realistic for, for the women athlete in rugby and then transferred into this success that we've seen? Yeah, so it was 2019 that England got their full-time 15s contract. Um, so who knows, it might have been you guys beating us up in a final again in 2017 that, that finally did it and made the RFU say, right, we need to fund these women. Um, so they've been around 30 players. It sort of goes up and down, but they've been full-time 
since 2019. And I guess this record run that they've been on 30 tests in a row, it, it's just the fruits of that, really, that they've all been able to give up their other jobs and focus on rugby full time. The thing that I applaud England rugby in doing is they made the investment and then said the results would come, whereas there's some commentators here that just say get the results and then we'll fund you. It's the wrong way round. I mean, it feels that way to me. It is tricky because the England women's rugby programme is loss-making. It's still loss-making. Um, they do... The attendances are going up, so we had record attendances in the last six nations of around 15,000, and they've got this massive ambition to sell out Twickenham, and I guess if they sell out Twickenham at some point, that's 80,000 tickets, and that's a profit. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they are they are just throwing money at it, and the results are coming, and that's what it is. They just believe that you know at some point it will pick up enough that that it will make money. I'm always loath to differentiate between the men's and the women's game, but they have very different models, very different basis models. But I find myself and people when they watch men's rugby, it's fueled with expectation, joy, and disappointment, and and that sort of thing in rugby. In the women's rugby, it's filled with joy and celebration. Still competitive, still hard, but it's mm-hmm. a different emotional set attached to the women's game that that I'm seeing. Yeah, I think you're right. And like we've seen the Black Ferns bring that, haven't we, especially? And they talk so much about having their music on around the ground. Um, I think what's so nice about the England team is that all the players have got really strong personalities. Like They're interesting people to speak to. Like you say, they're good fun. Um, they've got really interesting backstories. So for me, that's the thing that really gets me into women's rugby is kind of the stories from the players and how personally inspiring I find all these women because they are just, at the end of the day, they are impressive athletes, but they're really impressive women as well. I've talked to guys that have coached both men and women in a variety of sports, and pretty much to a person, they say women athletes are so much more coachable and that they listen and they implement. And I think that's borne out by the the improvement in in the English team, as you say, they're on an absolute tier. No one seems to be able to beat them. And then the very quick mm-hmm. turnaround of the Black Ferns in the space of 12 months to get performances on there. Admittedly, some of the best coaches that New Zealand's got has been thrown at the Black Ferns. The rate of improvement and the rate of improvement in the game and the spectacle over the last two or three years has been unreal, but we're nowhere near the potential. No, exactly. And that's the really nice thing about this England team. And that's why you know, a lot of obviously English people would like to see them win because you'd like to see that that investment, you know, it, it's just a basic equation, invest in it, win a World Cup. Like that makes sense. Why wouldn't everyone do it? Um, it's so interesting you talk about the coachable things. Obviously, England's main weapon has been their line-out. And uh, England's line-out coach, Lewis Deacon, he came from men's rugby. I think he said as soon as he arrived, he's been in the England setup since last August, so like August 2021. First thing he said when he arrived, he's like, I've just ripped apart their line out, given them a completely new one, and they've got it already. Like, they just got it instantly. So, um, so, yeah, that is something I've heard before that, yeah, I don't know, for whatever reason, you're right, they are very coachable. We saw with the Black Ferns uh, through Paul play um, incredible backline potency, run and gun, very expressive, exciting game. And then we saw in the French semi final 
Uh, Portia Woodman just about unemployed, uh, partly because I think New Zealand changed the game plan and France uh, developed a good defensive structure. Um, it's, I, I don't know what they're going to go at England with because England, speaking in general terms, forward dominated, rolling malls, off line outs, that sort of thing. New Zealand play wide, run and gun. It's a clash of styles, but I feel like both will ease those styles a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting, isn't it? I, I actually spoke to Emily Scarrett earlier this week for England Centre, and she described it as a rogue game of chess. I thought I could not put that better. It's just going to be, like, who knows what... I honestly have no idea what kind of game of rugby we're going to see on Saturday because, yes, England are forwards-dominated, but at the same time, they actually do have an incredibly talented back line. They just haven't massively used it this World Cup, and you sort of think... Are they holding that back? Are they going to suddenly deploy it? Like you said, are the Black Ferns going to completely change what they're doing? I, I just think it's, yeah, it's got the potential to be a classic World Cup final just because of that, doesn't it? I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. You'd have to say the blueprint for winning a Rugby World Cup final, and we've, we've seen them in the men's game, we've seen them in the women's game, it's not the expressive game. It's not the go-wide game. It's it's winning inches rather than metres, and it's all of that grind, 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 and that's the blueprint mm. that England have built their success on. So going into this game, they can revert to type. They can revert to DNA without too much of a change. My concern for the Black Ferns is, from what you've seen, have they got enough to combat that and still be expressive enough to win the final? Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And going yesterday, I was in Black Ferns camp, I was in England camp, and going straight from one to the other, it's so interesting to see how differently they're approaching this game. The Black Ferns are completely in the occasion. You know, like they've sold out their home stadium, they're going to have this amazing crowd, what an opportunity, kind of painting themselves as the underdogs. And you go into England camp, and they, their messages were treating it like any other game. We know what we're doing. Like you said, we're just going to carry the ball forward. That's what we're doing. And it doesn't matter if it's a World Cup final or a friendly, that's how we're playing. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the really interesting thing is, um, you know, does the occasion carry the Black Ferns over the line or did England just grind them down? Um, And like I said, I have absolutely no idea what the answer will be, which is what makes it such a good one, isn't it? Yes, well, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, but I do want to ask you, we're we're talking to Becky Gray out of the BBC in the UK, but currently in New Zealand. What's the feedback you're getting from your colleagues and rugby folk back in the UK about what's happening down here in the World Cup? I think everyone's obviously massively excited. So England have got the next one in 2025, and I think seeing the run the Black Ferns have been on and how New Zealand have got behind them is getting everyone really excited for that tournament. Um, Being completely honest, it's been a bit of a tricky one because of the time difference. Mm. So I think it's really going to pick up this week um, because it will be 6.30 in the morning UK time, which, you know, isn't as bad as some of the other matches that have been in the middle of the night. So, yeah, it, it will pick up. I think everyone is just, just massively impressed by this side, but that's almost a strange thing, isn't it? That they've been on this record-breaking 30-test winning run. But, you know, if they don't win the World Cup final, they'll be massively disappointed in themselves. Um, so I think everyone just really hopes that they'll they'll get this one last one 
and then they can lose all the games they like before 2025, can't they? It's fine <laughs> as long as they get this one. My final comment, and this might be just being a bloke from a little country on the other side of the world, when the when the World Cup final starts and there's the singing and there's the anthems and there's the haka and then there's the game, my knowledge that there will be millions of people around the world watching little old New Zealand with 40,000 people in the stand watching a Women's Rugby World Cup, not looking at the scoreboard, I'm going to be proud of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what matters, isn't it? Um and I think actually that hacker will be such a special moment just for those girls in the Blackburn team to just have a full Eden part behind them whilst they do their hacker. Like, yeah, it gives me goosebumps just saying it. You're totally right. Whatever the result is, it, it's been a really special tournament and New Zealand have done it amazingly for sure. History's being made, Becky. I feel like history's being made. It's the biggest World Cup that there's been and... Um... It's going to be awesome that you guys are holding the next one as well. I, I thank you for your time today, and uh, you sound like you're having a good week. You'll be on the edge of your seat cheering for white jerseys. We'll be on the edge of our seat cheering for black jerseys. But if anything, this tournament has shown us is that women's rugby is alive and well. It's still improving, and it's a game to get behind. I've absolutely loved it. So, uh, Becky, thanks so much for your time today. Enjoy the rest of your time in New Zealand. No problem. Thanks very much. Welcome back into Afternoons with Staffy. Thank you to Gold.nz for fueling your mission all year round. Gold.nz for your nearest locale to go and get some economical fuel. We are going to be bringing you a race at 2.50. What's that? 17 minutes away. It is the Rickerton Park Function Centre Welcome Stakes. The best two-year-olds will be on show. Mark Walker has the top three favourites and Louis just chatting to him at the moment and he'll send through that recording pronto. So we'll bring you that very shortly. Some text messages that have come in. <laughs> Dave says, Mark Shaw really wasn't from Manawatu, was he, Staffy? <laughs> well, he played for Manawatu. I know he's from Hawke's Bay. Uh, Craig Wicks wasn't a test. That was a game in Whangarei. Thank you. Love Day, seven games for the All Blacks, no test matches. Dion Waller played for the Vikings from Keith. He did too. Um, scratch that Bruce Hamada suggestion. I'm pretty sure it was Jackson Himopo that played one test. Yes, Jackson Himopo. Brett Cameron, a one test Manawatu All Black as well. Although he did play that test... He was Canterbury, wasn't he? And uh, I think when he played that test, he's entrenched in Manawatu lifestyle now, though. Craig Wicks wasn't a test, and it was New Zealand versus Fiji. Not a test, it was New Zealand Fiji. Why isn't that a test? Maybe, it was, I don't know, back then, wasn't it recognised as a test? Abercrombie, Himara and Dalton all parted like the Red Sea for Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Good stuff. George Whitelock never played for the mighty Green and Whites. No, he didn't. His dad, Braden, did. And was unlucky not to pull on the black jersey. Sons have made up for that. They sure have, Linda. They really have. And 1984 for Mark Finlay. No tests. That's from Linda. Yes, I'm a tragic Manawatu supporter. I know you are, Linda. And God bless you for that. Um, Linda, what was that game that Mark Finlay played in 1984? So, um, yeah, was he at school? Oh, I just can't remember. Um, Pinky was his nickname. Because uh, he was pale skinned and when he was playing, his legs went bright pink. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that. Um, 
Bearing in mind, we are going to try and keep things running to time so we can bring you some tips, bring you the insights from Mark Walker ahead of this big race out of Rickerton. It is the welcome stakes for two-year-olds. Mark Walker interview is arriving very shortly. We're going to start, we're going to play the chase earlier. So if you want to play the chase, that is 0800-150-811. Give us a call now to take on the chaser. Who it is, I don't know. There's a lot of people in the building today, so I don't know who Sam's lined up. But 0800 150 811, if you want to play the chase, we'll have that. We'll have Louis, we'll have Mark Walker, we'll have the race. It's a big, big 20 minutes. Give us a yell. Goal.nz. Mark Stafford, kicking back and talking sport all afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Chase time. It's chase time. And uh, Sammy, you're back in the Quizmaster's seat. You are Bradley. It's chase day. It's chase day. I always can't wait for chase day, Steph. And I think we've got Kyle on the line today. G'day, Kyle. Hey, guys. How are we? We're doing well, mate. Uh, how are the sweat glands? Are you feeling the pressure, the cooker of the chase for a Wednesday? Oh, uh, not really. But the other day when I got five and fifty, took me out. Couldn't hear a word of that, but it sounds like you're confident, Kyle. So what we're going to do <laughs> is... we ready to roll. You're ready to roll. That's all we need to hear. So uh, we're going to put 60 seconds on the timer. 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. Uh, selection first, though, of set A or set B on the questions. Uh, go set B, please. Interesting. Yeah, any reason for that, Kyle? Ah... Uh. Oh, B wasn't very kind to me this time, last time, so hopefully it might be this there time. There we go. Repeat offender. All right. 60 seconds. <laughs> 60 seconds on the timer. Uh, we are going to get that going in three, two, one. Name one of the Black Ferns try scorers from their semi final against Australia on the weekend. Um, DeMont. Uh, the, uh, Stacey Flula. Correct. Who is currently leading the try scoring at the Rugby League World Cup? Josh Rekha. Correct. Which New Zealander has the most T20 international wickets? Tim Southey. Correct. Robert Lewandowski is a footballer from which country? Greece. Poland. Which NBA player won last year's MVP award? Kevin Durant. Nikola Jokic. Uh, Jokic. Which horse won the New Zealand Trotting Cup yesterday? Pass, can't remember. England, New Zealand, South Africa, and which other team were the four semi-finalists in the 2019 India. Wales? Who oh, was the who was in the 2017 Rugby League World Cup final? Australia, New Zealand. Australia, England. Which team did the Black Caps lose to in pool play at this year's T20 World Cup? England. Oh, the timer was just going off there, Steph. You don't want to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him because I want to see how well he goes. He got four. Did he get four? He did get four. Heck yeah, of you a start. Heck of a start, and then you sort of tailed off towards the end, which is a pretty common theme, uh, Kai. Your chaser for today <laughs> is the Staffinator. He's going to have 60 seconds to get five. Did I say four or five? We said four, didn't we? Four. Uh, if he gets one wrong, though, you can push him back, all right? So yep. don't go anywhere. Steph, you ready to go? Mm. That doesn't sound confident at all. I don't feel confident today. Okay. Well, let's see how you go. Your time <laughs> will start in three, two, one. The Black Ferns last won the World Cup in what year? 2017. Correct. Who has played the most games for the Kiwis? All time. All time. God. Mark Graham. Stop the clock. 
No idea. Who has played the most games for the Kiwis, Kyle? Manu Vadavai. No, it is Ruben Wicky. Oh. 55 games. Oh. Uh, so just the one, Steph. Uh, your time will start again in three, two, one. Who is the current Pakistan T20 captain? Hafiz Ramadaz. Stop the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, who is the current Pakistan T20 captain? Stop our arm. Well done. Back to zero, Steph. Back to zero. Four to catch. Your time will start again in three, two, one. What is it called when a goalkeeper doesn't let any goals in during a football match? Clean sheet. Correct. The F1 record for most frequent pairing on the podium belongs to Lewis Hamilton and which other driver? Max. Stop the clock. The F1 record for most frequent pairing on the podium belongs to Lewis Good Hamilton question. and which other driver? Good question. Oh, nah, pass. No clue. Sebastian Vettel, his teammate. Oh. No, not his teammate. No, 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 his rival. With, was it with you? Maybe it was with Red Bull. Okay, Steph, you still have, uh, you've just got one. Your time will start again in three, two, one. Where are the 2024 Olympics being held? Oh, why don't I know this? Pass. Stop the clock. Where are oh, the 2024 Olympics being held, oh. Kyle? Is it Paris? Yes. Well done. Back to zero oh. step. Oh, the bridge yeah. is on. Your time will start again. I don't think you can get many right from here. Your time will start again in three, two, one. Who has taken the most wickets for New Zealand in this World Cup? Uh, Trent Bolt. Stop the clock. Who has taken the most wickets for New Zealand, Kyle? Uh, I'm going Mitch Sentner. Bang, bang. Minus one, Steph. Five to catch. Your time Finally. will start again in three, two, one. Which NFL team comes out of the US state of Georgia? Uh, Atlanta Falcons. Correct. The Breakers are second on the NBL ladder behind which team? Sydney. Correct. The Breakers. Oh, no. That was the last one. Oh, you had no more. <laughs> I had no more. That was the last one. You've beaten them. Kyle, you've beaten the Steph. Yeah, I actually feel good yeah. about that. I feel oh, good about that. Oh, where's all the fa- I need some sort of fanfare. Oh, this is all I've got. <laughs> You've won the Mega Millions. You've won the Mega Millions, Kyle. Mate, we have to go. We've got this race to do, and we're going to need to get a breakaway. We've got this well, race. Well, hold on. We might be able to take it before we take the break. How far away is it? Three minutes. No, we'll get the break. Congratulations, Kyle. No, we'll go to the break. That's still in the, oh, geez. No, should we sing on? We can, we can sing on. We've got uh, seven minutes here. So okay. Okay. I think we can. I well done, Kyle. Safe. Well done, Kyle. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers buddy. Guys. What we will do, Louis caught up with uh, Mark Walker. Sorry for this compressed nature. I didn't want to take away from the glory of Kyle. Fantastic work. But uh, Mark Walker has the top three favourites in the next race at Rickerton. Louis caught up with him. Here we are. Copeland's Bakery's mild day. Mark Walker, he's returned and he wants winners. And you've got a few different chances today, Mark. Can I start with the two-year-olds? We line up three nice chances. Rhetorical, who's been winning. Rubicon Crossing and Sky on Fire, who looks a smart type. How do you, how do you split them? Uh, they're all much of a muchness. Probably Sky on Fire, I'd probably have on top. Slightly over Rhetorical. And Rubicon Crossing's got a bit of a tricky draw so that's how I'd see it. I've made Sky on fire my best bet of the day so firstly I'm sorry. Secondly will she let me down? Oh, she's a good chance yeah good chance. Perfect. Right the Mears race it's a good race it always is the Canterbury Breeders you've got three different chances in it who would you have on top out of that lot? Uh, probably still fashion shoot even though she's got a rough draw uh, followed by Zaluminous and Irish Red it's a bit of a hit and a hope to be honest so we'll Storm one, so 
give it a crack. We'll give it a crack. And in the Copeland's well, don't be offended because BGP is unloaded on plenty of Tiakau chances <laughs> gone by. But he's a doozy, he's taken the whack. And I couldn't split Marcus Aurelius and he's a doozy. I thought his run at Trentham was actually full of merit and on the good track today. I mean, he's won this race before. Is he a genuine chance in the feature? Oh, definite genuine chance, yeah, for sure. Like, the horse uh, that beat him at Wellington, he's a doozy, got a dream run through. So hard to see him getting that fluke run twice in a row. But anyway, we'll see how we go. And fashion shoot in the race? No, uh, uh, perfect scenario. Perfect scenario, sorry? Yeah, yeah, he's a chance, but I'd probably lean more towards Marcus Aurelius at a tough mile. And anything on Saturday we need to have our eyes peeled for this far out? Oh, it's a bit far out to be thinking about that yet. Got to get through a big day today. Mark yeah. Walker, great to have you back and great to have you in Christchurch. We have done so much good work before. Cheers. Thank you. There he is, Mark Walker, one of the best trains, the tangerine. Uh, this morning on breakfast, Louis loved Sky on Fire. Josh Parr is over from Australia, a fantastic jockey. He's riding the favourite, and that's been backed in from threes into 220. Uh, drawn four, uh, rhetorical. Uh, it's had back-to-back wins. Daniel Stackhouse, who rode Spaghetti Betty earlier, didn't he? Um, this is a schnitzel two-year-old. It's had three starts for two wins. One of those wins on a good track. we got a good track today. Uh, Sky and Fire, just the two starts for two seconds. And as I say, it's 2.20. Uh, rhetorical's three. And the third of the Walker Barn is $6, having opened at five. That's had a win and a third. Um, just trying to find its win was on a heavy track. Its third was on a good track. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, all carrying the same weight. All two years old. Just about the whole field's had two or three starts. A couple down the bottom have only had one. It does look like it's going to be a Mark Walker win. Uh, they're starting to load away. We will not miss the start. So there we go. Sky and Fire Louis pick. Rhetorical. And Lisa Allpress. Early, early on in the show, she fancied her chances to definitely be in the top three. She thought all three horses were quite evenly matched. She's on Rubicon Crossing at $6. Got, she's got one horse with a purple hood on, uh, saying, I don't really want to load in there at the moment. I'm two years old, and I'd rather go and play in the sandpit or the paddling pool or whatever's out the back. Um, who's that? That must be over is it? Number seven, I think it is. So I think we can probably cross to the track. Are they with Matthew Cross at Rickerton? Let's cross and get us caught. It's a thousand metres. It'll be over in a blink of an eye. $3 number three rhetorical. $6 number four Rubicon crossing. Waiting on the rider to jump aboard in the Navy and the outside stalls. Last year it was Grace's secret. For 2022, the welcome stakes. Over a thousand metres, two-year-olds are off. And slow to move, Semper Supra. Sky on fire was fast away. Ridden handy on the outside, illicit dreams. Dust off those is rhetorical. And behind the pacemakers, Surf Queen. Rubicon crossing came forward wide around and then came in the Navy. A length and a half away to Gwynver, then Semper Supra. And going bush at the back is Navy Lark. The leader is Sky on fire. 600 to go ahead in front. Rubicon crossing, rhetorical. And behind those horses, Surf Queen. Then came illicit dreams. In the Navy, wider out from Gwynver and Semper 
Super 2, the outside, Rubicon Crossing, went to Sky on Fire, Rhetorical off their backs, gives chase, and then came Surf Queen, Sky on Fire with a fight on her hands from Rubicon Crossing, Rhetorical now leading down on the deep, still Sky on Fire, the inside and arrow leader from Rubicon Crossing and Rhetorical, Sky on Fire's been brave, so is Rubicon Crossing, but it's Sky on Fire for the welcome stakes, Sky on Fire by a half a length, Rubicon Crossing and Rhetorical. There we go, one, two, three for Mark Walker as predicted. Sky on fire, Louis on fire. He's giving you all the chocolates close at 2.20. And Rubicon crossing, uh, the Lisa All-Press Mount uh, comes in as well. The third favourite and the second favourite comes third. Uh, reminder that running it straight will be coming to you from three to four. Uh, the run home from four till seven. They're going to bring you a couple of races as well, including the two big ones that are yet to come on the card. We'll take a break and we'll have a look back in the day. Just had a message rounding off the Craig Wicks chat. Played for the New Zealand 15 against Fiji at Eden Park on a wet day, 13th September 1980. I was at the game. I remember the day as I met a beautiful lady that evening who I would end up marrying. Good man, Steve. Uh, on this day, November 9, 1985, Sir Richard Hadley was on fire. He's gone, yes, nine wickets. What a wonderful performance for Richard Hadley. One of the all-time great performances. The first test against Australia in Brisbane. Fantastic stuff. 1996, boom, crash, Mike Tyson. Yeah, boxing commentators say that nearly every weekend. The most unbelievable result, most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. But it was truly incredible. Evander Holyfield beating Mike Tyson with a TKO in round 11 in Las Vegas. And he won the WBA heavyweight title. They fought um, the next year. And that was the air bite fight. Birthdays today. David... I wear Oakley sunglasses, even though they're not in fashion anymore. Duval turns 51 today. Uh, 47 today, Skippy Sinclair, former Black Cap. He'll be watching and listening tonight, SENZ, from 8.30. Yana Pittman, the Australian hurdler, used to put on a bit of a show before she raced. I loved it, danced. And 33 years old today, Marcus Daniel, Kiwi tennis player. On this day in 1996, the number one movie was Ransom and the number one song, Sing Along. I like the way you work, kids. No diggity. Thank you for your company today. Thanks to Louie for the tips and the wins. Running it straight. They've got Bluey McLennan on the show. Running it straight. Sammy and Kempe. He knows how to beat the Aussies. He knows how to beat the Aussies. He'll be fast. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks, kids. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.